Welcome to the second episode of Vista Mall 2020 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is butter, sugar, and everything that's cheesecake, Logan Saunders. Morning. And also joining us today is the Australian for whom doing the podcast is torture, Benjamin Powell. <laughs> Howdy. It's a perfect week for you to be back, given I get to use that intro. <laughs> Hooray. And Ben has decided to uh, to watch Vidim with us this year, so I'm assuming we'll make a few appearances this season. I'll be doing my best, yeah. It's been like two two years since I did a podcast, so... Yeah, we did work this out beforehand. It is about two years since you've done one. Yeah. Like, I intended to do it last year, but then uh, it didn't work out that well. But mostly because of like location and movement and stuff. But like it's worked out a bit better for me here, so yeah. So, previously, the ten contestants flew to China and were offered a walk of wisdom or happiness. They all matched up sections of a wall containing exemptions, either black or green, and then headed to a market where only 150 euros was won. In a game of truck escape rooms, two pairs failed to escape and won the team only 20 euros. And at the test, two black exemptions were played, nullifying six green exemptions and sending an eater home. And I said this on last week's podcast, but I... And getting the same feeling after watching this episode, the theme this season seems to be nostalgia, because we seem to be getting constant references to old seasons, as we had last year with the keys that we're still not 100% sure on the relevance of. But this week, there was a more subtle bit of nostalgia. In that, in something I didn't mention with the more money, the €250 Euro note, which is the only uh, only one that's actually decently designed for the record, it is a map of the world with all the previous mole locations on. And in the third challenge this week, we get a map of the world, and all the countries highlighted are previous mole locations. Ooh! Nice! Yes. So no- nobody else has spotted this connection yet, but I did, because immediately as soon as I saw the North America map, and it was uh, Mexico, the US, and Canada all highlighted, I then worked out what the other countries were and went, yeah, they're all mole countries from previous seasons. I didn't notice that. So was it just the country and not like specific locations? No, it was just the countries, but on the 250 euro note on the mole money is um, dots for each of the locations as well, which I did notice when the mole money was released. Nice. I would not have noticed that. Yeah, it's a nice bit of nostalgia, and given that we know that there's at least two more challenges this season that involve nostalgia in some capacity, I'm assuming there's going to be some sort of reference to an old mole clue that actually hints at this year's mole or something similar. That's my gut feeling on it. They have to be so sneaky with mole clues now. After 20 seasons, you think the viewers would catch on to similar patterns of how the clues work out. Well, it's not just previous Dutch seasons, because they've got to be careful knowing that people watch, for example, the Belgian seasons, or the Australian, or the UK, or American. All of these countries have had moles, so they've then got to be very careful not to reference those ones too much, just in case. Yeah, there's a very dedicated group of lonely shut-ins, like us. Yeah, pretty much. The sort of people who book holidays from work to go to the finale in a different country twice a year. Those sort of people. Ah, that European privilege. <laughs> so there's some guy in, like, South Africa or something who's like, I spot this clue because it was in the third season of the Polish version from, like, 15 years ago. <laughs> the editors are such amateurs. Suck it. Given the level of fandom that appears in this community, 100% that is a real thing. Because when I was having a glance at the Vidim subreddit uh, yesterday, I spotted that someone had spotted another challenge that references nostalgia hidden in the intro that I had no idea was even there, because it was there for like a tenth of a second. So there is a reference to, in the whole market scenes and stuff, there is a reference to um, there being a food truck featuring old moles. So I'm wondering what what the relevance of that's going to be. Yes. 
this is definitely a kind of show where you know that everything there is planned and it's all going to tie together somehow. That felt generic, no, but you know, that, that, those are my thoughts. There are no coincidences. Everything is there for a reason. Even seen now. Mm, what that reason was is a whole other story, but everything in theory is there for a reason, even seen and Chan. It's for North Korean propaganda purposes. So the final nine are taken outside of the city of San Mesia for their next assignment, and lament the exemptions being used, especially Johan. The second episode title is Contrary, and apparently Leone admitted that she played her black exemption to Johan, which basically severs all of their trust. Go Leone! So the first challenge of the episode takes place at the San Mesia Dam over the Yellow River, and they will be putting on a show with paint cannons of four colours, yellow, red, blue and green. There are four stations, each controlling one colour, and they've got 30 minutes before Rick fires his cannons, and for each cannon that goes off they earn 500 euros for the pot, and if they connect all the cannons together, they will earn an extra 500 euros for a maximum of 2,500. The San Mexia Dam, I wasn't entirely sure it was one of those dams in China that they uh, that the way they procured it was less than uh, civil, because I know there's a history of like dams in China, where they basically just like sort of announced to people living in whether they plan to build the dam. Right, we're building a dam here, so you can uh, leave or drown. Santa Mexico Dam doesn't seem to be one of those, but like it was kind of niggling in the back of my mind, like, oh, I really hope this was uh, built in a humanitarian, at least baseline sort of way. I think that was the initial idea for the two teams. One team is in the leave portion, and the other team is in the drown portion. So what you're saying is that this season is a supersized one and ten Dutch celebrities have just drowned. Yeah, and and Rob's like black hat just washes up on the Dutch shores in Rotterdam like three months later. Like, oh fuck, I know what team he was in. Yeah, Logan's definitely on uh, on better form this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say, Jesus. So the teams are Johan and Tina. Johan wants to work with Tina because she's a bit vague and messy. Buddy and Yaika pair up so she can try and eliminate him from her suspect list. Clayson and Rob, and then the trio of Leone, Milushka, and Nathan. And they have instructions to prepare the wires in the box in Chinese. And Clayson says that his father was an electrician, so he has experience with playing with wires as a child. Man, Mil- uh, Mills, Leone, and Nathan, that's like a preordained disaster team right there. Yeah, is it any surprise that that team is the one who don't end up connecting everything correctly? Not really, because, like, A, because Le- Leonie's bad at everything, Nathan is a be- the ultimate beta, and Mills, I'm pretty, I'm like, you know, not to get ahead of myself here, because I, but, like, I'm pretty sure she's the mole, so. Yeah, not to get ahead of myself as well, but she's top of my uh, suspect list this week, I think. She's been in my top three both weeks. Yeah, she's been top three for me both weeks as well. Yeah, she like um she has this like air of like them trying to recast Okay as the mole because of the whole you know untapped potential there because she's a very that sort of character for me. It goes a bit further than that. I feel like her and Buddy together are basically Yan and Olche again. For an anniversary season, they're basically recasting quite a few of the the old classic archetypes because we have Milushka who is basically just Molche but actually moling. We have. Buddy, who is basically the Yanderham Olche. Rob is the spitting image of a contestant from 2014 called Tico. You have Clace, who looks just like Anderson Cooper when he wears glasses. 
<laughs> Tina looks like Dutch Katie Wicks. Like, they're just constantly trying to recast all these people this season, and I think that, that for me, feeds into the nostalgia angle. I wasn't entirely sure whether it's just like, oh, they're using a bunch of archetypes that they have used before, or like, oh, they're specifically recalling certain dynamics and casting archetypes from past seasons to like call back to that for the whole nostalgia thing. You can usually guarantee some of the archetypes that will get used. There is always an older female actress, for example. There's always a really young guy. But they're genuinely referencing Molche and things in this season when it comes to Milushka, which is really interesting. I can see that, yeah. I mean, I'll be devastated if she is the mole now because Michelle's got her in her team. <laughs> Not that I'm being effective or anything, but I totally am. But she's definitely one of my strong suspects this week. They even rehashed the old lady being an episode week one fodder and just going home like that, too. Didn't stand a chance. You do sometimes get an old lady who survives till about halfway through the season and is very entertaining. Or they explode in a paint bomb <laughs> car. So Milushka notices the cables to connect all the boxes, so her and Nathan take them to try and connect them, leaving Leone unattended in charge of their box. That'll work out well. And Nathan, as Ben says, is basically a beater, so he's told by Milushka to run, but just keeps walking. And she says it's normal that she doesn't run, as she's butter sugar and everything that's cheesecake. And I also love that in two weeks now, Logan has had two intros, and both of them have been Milushka quotes. She's just already a Vidim icon, and she's only two episodes in. I'm just pissed that I get another Malushka quote because I hate cheesecake. Oh yeah, you do, don't you? I forgot about that. Yeah, I fucking hate cheesecake. I genuinely had forgotten that you hated cheesecake. (laughs) It's basically the one sweet thing that you don't like, isn't it? Pretty much. Cheesecake. It's bullshit Malushka. I've already forgotten if if you're a vegan or vegetarian. He's veggie unless he's in Europe, in which case he eats turkey and chicken. Because when he when he visited here, I um after we went out clubbing, we, I got him a uh, a vegetarian halal snack pack, which was an authentic Australian experience. I was wondering if like, oh wait, did I did I get him a vegetarian? Did I get do something wrong by getting him something with cheese on it? No, but no, it's just it's just it's just in cake. I found out from this conversation, it's just in cake form. There was vegan meat on it though, so that was how it was vegetarian. So Yaika chooses to do the cables for her pair, and Clayson and Rob complete theirs, so both leave their box unattended to deal with the cables. And Leonie describes being on Vidim as torture for her. Yeah, because every single mistake of hers is highlighted. Her and Johan, now that I've noticed that, because like, uh, when I, when I like, look at everyone who like, does stuff wrong, the ones who get highlighted the most are her and Johan. And I know you said that the trio are ineffectual, but just as ineffectual is Johan and Tina paired together. They are a mess. But they still have the 500. Somehow. And after 30 minutes, Rick milks his part, and red, blue, and yellow all fly into the air, meaning they get 1,500 euros of a possible 2,500. And the only team to fail was, of course, the team with the trio. Womp womp. When I saw that in the intro, I thought, like, um... Just, like, I thought somehow it was going to be, like, um... a repeat of the spotlight nominations from last season, where it was going to be more than that somehow. So like it was slightly disappointing to see it as a, like a just a, a regular task, but it was like it was still pretty cool to watch the result though. You really think that Vidim would take over nine different bridges? I don't know how they'd do it. Like I don't know what I don't know like the whole creative process, but like you know they could just to fire off smoke cannons. I get the impression that this season's going to be a bit more 
back to basics than last season was. Last season they tried to be a bit creative with like the eliminations, and obviously they only delayed it till the next episode because of Nikki. But they tried to be a little bit creative with the eliminations and that sort of stuff. And I, I don't think a lot of people, myself included, loved it that much. I would have loved the spotlight elimination if it wasn't for the fact that it was Nikki who left. So yeah, partially agree. I think is that a new is us agreeing? Is that a new occurrence? Yeah, I mean, we've had two years apart, then it is a, a very rare occurrence now. Gosh. You took different paths, but have now come together as one. So, after the challenge, Buddy proposes a room switch after having discussed it with Milushka, and he now rooms with Johan, and Milushka rooms with Leone. And Buddy and Milushka have a bontia, so want more information about everyone else. Milushka's a funny name. Every time you say Milushka, I just giggle a little bit to myself. The reason that I mentioned the nostalgia thing is there has been a mole called Milushka before, in one of the very early seasons. I didn't know it was that common of a Dutch name. I think there's only been two Malushkas ever on Mole, and the last one was the Mole. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> oh, let's get to the second challenge! Yeah, so after they all settle into the hotel, Rick meets them there and says that five taxis will shortly leave the hotel, each with an envelope telling them where they can collect money from. And they also have to get to a restaurant on Binhu Street in an hour. And if they make it in time, they earn the money. If they arrive without money, they get nothing. If they arrive late, they will be fined 100 euros per person, giving them a potential total of 1,750 euros for this challenge. And it is Rob and Nathan, Leonie and Buddy, Clayson Yaika, and Johan and Milushka who are the pairs, and then Tina is on her own. Tina's really on her own because she doesn't even find anybody else. She's just stuck in the... She's just left in the middle of a desert. <laughs> even though we are... About 36 hours away from this episode having aired already. This is an iconic mole challenge. They're prank calling Chinese restaurants. So we start with A, a language barrier challenge anyway. Then add in the fact that they get a little bit of help from people. And usually when this happens, there is an amount of money that they then get taken out of the pot for using the help. And then the fact that it turns out that A, they don't get charged for it. And B, more importantly, they are randomly calling Chinese restaurants in Amsterdam with varying degrees of Chinese knowledge. This is just iconic, even before we get to Nathan and Rob's driver just cackling all of the time, and the edit on Tina getting lost in the middle of China. It's already iconic. Do you think, like, they actually inform the restaurants, like, hey, we're going to be using your phone number to call you randomly in the middle of... uh... I mean, actually, what time would it have been? Because, like, that was, like... I'd say around night time in China. So what time would that, what time would that have been in in the Netherlands? Be like afternoon. Yeah, afternoonish. Maybe going into evening. All right. China is fun fact quiz fans. China is the largest country with only one time zone because it's all GMT plus eight. It's all based off Beijing. It is. I feel like I'm going to have to Google SM next year and I'll just like figure out like how off kilter their like time zone is because like. I know that, um, you know, GMT-8 is, like, in Australia-wise, it's, like, Western Australia, and it's, like, sort of vaguely on the same, like, time zone line as Western Australia, China, like, China, like, like Beijing is. So, like, I'm just trying to, I'm wondering, like, how far across is, like, San Mexico compared to, like, Beijing and stuff? Well, we saw on the map that San Mexico is northwest of Henan, which is the province they're staying in, and Henan is nicknamed the heart of China, so I'm pretty sure it's dead in the middle. Of China. So it's probably about two hours out-ish. 
Oh yeah, it's like not that, that's not too far. It's not like um don't like to bet or anything, which is I suppose is a contentious thing to say as part of China, but you know. And Milushka says that getting the money is fun, but staying in and finding out who the mole is is more important. And Tina's driver starts flirting with her, calling her pretty lady. Can you drop me off here even though Rick's not around? Can you just drop me off at this random place so I can get away from you calling me pretty lady all the time? And Yika says that her and Clace being together is basically the beginning of a joke. A Suriname and a Danish person enter a taxi. And in each taxi there is a phone that they can use to call for clues. And Clace rings the first one, and they're a little bit confused because it turns out that they are a Chinese takeaway in the middle of Amsterdam. How many times do they have to explain that they don't deliver internationally? Stop calling. What would have been even funnier is if they, they were told that they then had to order something off the wall. Can I have a number 88, please? Yeah, where do you want it delivered to? St. Mancia? Yeah, it's, it's 35 Binhu Street. It's the entire budget for Amazing Race Australia 4. And Johan says that all of China looks like a Chinese restaurant when they're trying to look for a Chinese restaurant that looks like a library or whatever it was. <laughs> That's the most unintentionally offensive thing anybody said all episode. And then they accidentally wander onto a, onto a set of Little Shop of Horrors. Because of the dentist. Yep, I got it. Best reference to Little Shop of Horrors since the Mass Singer UK. I thought they were ordering the Chinese food for Seymour. Be <laughs> sweet and sour pork all night long. Actually, Logan, I think you'll find that they'll be ordering it for Audrey because Audrey is the plant. I can't do my Audrey 2 impression anymore. I used to be able to do quite a good impression of uh, the Little Shop Horrors uh, voiceover from the film. I've only seen the original, like black and white version, which was like basically a. I think it was either the original or a remake of this uh, Roger Corman film called Bucket of Blood, which was like basically the exact same thing. Thing except replace feeding a plant with wanting to, be, wanting to become a beatnik artist. It's very strange, but also pretty interesting. The, it was the fifties. The fifties and sixties were weird. I've seen the nineteen eighty five version of Little Shop Horrors a few times. It was uh, the musical that my school did for for a year. So yeah, Johan manages because it's Johan to crash a dentist's office, and because this isn't Hammerot's Lamillion, he wasn't required to get teeth extracted or anything. And I do have a question for you both. What does a Chinese library look like? Uh, I'm going to assume it involves a lot of flapping your flapping your hands in front of your face in the shape of a book a lot. Do people do that there? As somebody who teaches English to Chinese students daily, that was the worst. We have a thing called TPR where you pretend uh, to do the action that you're teaching. And I think that was one of the worst TPR for books that I've ever seen. I think you should show us how it's done, Logan. You don't yeah, go, show us, show us, don't us clap repeatedly like your hands are jittering all over the place or that you have a book that's twice the size of War and Peace. You make it look like you're reading a book. I think you should show us on this audio-only podcast and audio-only Skype call. And somehow it would still be better than Leone's uh, version of, of showing a book. Am I doing it correctly, Logan? Uh, can you can you see over this audio only podcast if I'm doing it correctly? I'm sure it's it's better than it's better than the TPR we saw in the episode. Thank God, I have now beat a Dutch celebrity in something. Then you are the champion of podcast charades. Hooray! But the best bit of the entire episode for me was not Rob and Nathan absolutely losing it with their driver. 
it was Tina thinking she's having a conversation with her driver and then being driven utterly insane by him. And just that look of resignation that she had where she slumped in the seat and went, is it over yet? (laughs) Well, wait about 20 minutes, yeah. And with about 20 minutes to go, everyone thinks, we're not going to get any money, let's just head to the restaurant. And sadly for Tina, she's the only one who doesn't actually make it. Because she's dropped off in the middle of nowhere, and they make great efforts to not show her until the next challenge. They don't show her at breakfast. It's divine. That was fucking hilarious. This is the sort of thing that I mean when I say that I think they've been watching a bit of Belgian Mole in the break, because that is the exact sort of joke that Belgian Mole would have done. And probably, let's be honest, kidnapped them and made it the next challenge. I remember May, who is one of our writers on the website, was watching it. I think she was saying that, like, uh, were they going to start the next challenge without her? Oh, yeah, this is the sort of thing where Belgian Mole would have taken it even further and just, you know, made them be lost for 24 hours, but in the middle of China. As you do, when you're a Dutch production company. Genuinely, when I was in Beijing, it was my worst nightmare to be in the middle of nowhere, having been dumped by a taxi, just not knowing how to get back. Oh, yeah, that's... uh... Don't want to do that when you're traveling in a country where there's, like, a very minute chance people anywhere around you can understand you. But then again, also, she's got a camera crew with her, so, you know, not too not too bad for her. But we don't have camera crews when we're traveling. Well, at least if Tina didn't show up for the next challenge, then Yike or Yiker wouldn't have to uh, work, on her, work on her own. She would have actually, been, it would have been even pairs for the next challenge. Very true. So... Uh, Johannes Bonchia, weirdly only, has cooled since she lied about the black exemption, which then just leads into day four and the final challenge of the episode. And Tina has actually been allowed to return at this point, and they are taken to Swan Lake Park, where they have to find pieces of a map to make it a complete map visible on the cameras. And two of them will be in the control room, while the remaining seven will be paired up, or in the case of Yika, on her own, and on scooters around the park to try and move everything around. And if they get a complete map centred on China... They will earn 2,000 euros for the pots, and they have 45 minutes. And of course, because the mole is in this game, they make sure that Leone and Johan are in the control room. So in other words, this challenge gets failed immediately. Yeah, I'm, I would be surprised if Leone and, or Johan were the mole, because that is just like, there's a lot of attention being drawn to the fact that they are utterly useless in pretty much every challenge. And that would be like a pretty bold move for the mole to be doing like right off the bat. See, I I have a feeling that the mole is not going to be subtle this year. Because one of the major complaints of last year was that the mole was a bit difficult to work out who it was. So I've got a feeling it's going to be a bigger, more bombastic mole than we have seen last year. That's just my gut feeling on it. Do you think they were active in this challenge? Oh, 100%. There is not a chance in hell that, number one, Leone and Johan are actually picked to go in that control room if the mole isn't there. Number two, more importantly... There were two pieces missing, but also two pieces in the wrong place at the end. So the mole has definitely made sure. And I am confident that the mole was active in this challenge because they did a classic mole tactic. So, you know when Yaika was getting really annoyed at um, the walkie-talkies and the fact that no one was talking to her? I know this. I would put money on the fact that the mole had one of the walkie-talkies and was holding the button down. Because that is a classic mole tactic. That's the sort of thing pretty much every mole does in the eight of discipline tasks. Is hold the button down, no one can talk. Yeah, that seemed like a bit of a oversight slash really cool thing for the mole to have to know about. So I was watching who was on the back of those um, those trucks every single time to see who was holding the buttons. 
because someone held that button and I want to know who. Did you guys ever use the website? I think it's like long gone now, but it's been at least like 10, 15 years ago. And his website called Hold the Button. And it was just a game where you tried to hold the the button on your computer mouse for as long as you possibly could. That's still around. I played that in OIG once, like in the past year or so. That still exists. <laughs> That's awesome. It might, it might not be the exact same one, but it exists in a form. The concept does not die. And Malushka looks like she was very good at hold the button in this challenge because for a second there, I thought she was she was in the control room by uh, in spirit. Yeah, the, the thing is, there were multiple sabotages in this task because we had Leonie and Johan just generally. We had the fact that there were two pieces missing and also the fact that two pieces were swapped. And I don't know which one the mole was responsible for because it was probably only one of those things. I think if you're the mole at this point, you pretty much want to like get uh, Leonie and Johan all the way through the competition as far as you can. Oh, definitely. Because they're just like the most visibly terrible. And like, you know, I, I'll, explain, I'll explain my reasoning at the end of the episode, actually, because I just realized, oh, there's still, there's still a lot left to go here. The thing is that as long as Leonie and Johan are both there, they are meat shields for whoever the mole is. And I am not discounting Leonie being the mole, because I really wouldn't put it past her being the mole, because Johan is a much more blatant screw-up. But if neither of them are mole, they are being used as a meat shield by that mole. Yeah, I pretty much agree with all of that, that uh, Leonie and Johan are just not going to be respected, and no one's going to take them seriously in the control room, and that inevitably led to the chaos that occurred in this challenge where everybody pretended that they were in the control room, especially Malushka. Yeah. One thing I did notice before we actually start properly getting into this challenge is the fact that this challenge did take place on May 23rd. And it's significant because in the intro bit, we actually see a date, which is May 29th. So we know roughly what episode the phone in the uh, the middle of a field is going to be now. Yeah, I did notice that. And like, uh, what? I'm bad at math. I'm bad at geography, math, science, all sorts of things. But like, what... Roughly what episode could that be? So we now know that day four is May 23rd, so that means that it's going to be day 10, so it's going to be roughly episode four, episode five, that that appears. So I assume it's going to be like, oh, find a thing in a field or something? With a wheeze the mole twist. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being the annual laser game, or a paintball game, because they love doing a paintball game, we've not done one of them for a few years. Interesting. So I did see a thing that had paintball or laser in the intro, like, I think it was, like, a bit after the smoke cans. Yeah, there's definitely some laser in the intro. There's always lasers. It's a VSTML staple. It's having some sort of laser, laser object, as they call it, and everyone loses their mind when they get there because they get to be part of a VSTML tradition. So anyway, Johan gets to control the 24 cameras, and then Clace and Malushka find the Australia piece, and they get vague instructions from the control room as to where it needs to go. So did they actually get them in the right place, any of them, or is it all wrong? All just very, very wrong? Of the six pieces, two were in the correct place, two were not there at all, and two were in the wrong place. Ah, well, there you go. And I can't remember which ones were which, which is rather annoying for this, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a China-based map, so... Yeah, but you can, you can work it out, because it should be Europe, Asia, North America, on the top row, and then... Should be Africa, Australasia, 
and then South America. That's the correct solution to this puzzle. But because they're so celebrities with walkie-talkies, that did not happen. And to channel the icon that is Ellie Loost, who is the bright spot of a not-great season, these people need a to discipline. She's the equivalent of basically the chief of the hunters for Dutch Hunted now. She's a former police chief and um, was on Vidim, did one of these sort of games and was screaming at people that they need to have discipline when it comes to the walkie-talkies because otherwise, oh otherwise the mall wins. She's an icon. Oh my god. She just ended up screaming, it's a discipline, at these people. And um, in the same way that trust nobody has become a thing, it's a discipline has become a thing. Fabulous. And in the No Shit Sherlock Award of the week, Leonie says, Johan had no idea what he was doing. You think? Does anyone in this cast really have an idea what they're doing? Like, who has actually made money? Like, outside of group settings, it's, it's pretty much been like, there's nobody being really highlighted as, you know, oh, that person has actually made money, hooray. It's sort of been like, oh, Johan and Leonie have lost it again. Although they weren't the other ones who have lost money so far, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, the... There's no equivalent of Yuri yet from Belgium all last year, who was basically notable for just constantly trying to earn as much money as is physically possible and throwing himself into everything. No exceptions. So Nathan and Tina find South America and Clace and Milushka swap it with Australia. Buddy and Rob find Asia and need to take it to Africa. Clace and Milushka find Europe and have to wait there for Nathan and Tina. And Yaika is basically shut out of this challenge. She does nothing. And... I genuinely have no idea how anyone can suspect Yaika after this challenge because, being honest, she didn't do anything, but she didn't even have the opportunity to sabotage. I have my suspicions about Yaika, but I'll say it at the end. The thing is, with this sort of a challenge, because it's all on camera, and yes, I know it's Johan controlling the cameras, so he's probably going to miss every sabotage, but you've got to have subtle sabotages on this one because you are being watched, guaranteed. There's no way you can do an overt sabotage, really, in this sort of a challenge. You have to sneak it in. That's also true, yeah. The best way to swap the pieces would be to make sure that you put a wrong piece down when you know, listening to the walkie-talkie, that Johan and Leone are doing something with someone else. It's still a bit tricky, though, because you are being watched. It is. But then again, I rewatched the ending of a previous mall season at the weekend, and that had probably the gutsiest mall I've ever seen. He was insane when it came to ballsy mold moves, so I'm fully expecting someone to kind of be inspired by him a little bit this season. Out of the most seasons I've seen, like, one of them has been batshit ballsy and really great, and the other was really boring, so there's like an entire spectrum for me to fill in my, in my mold watching experience. Yeah, so I've seen... Which ones have I seen? So I have seen... All of Australia? Yeah, I've seen all of Australia, all of the US ones, all the UK ones, obviously. And then when it comes to the Dutch ones, I've seen everything since Japan, which was 10 years ago now. Uh, and then with the Belgian ones, I've seen the reboot ones. Anyway, they lost, as they are what to do in this season. Yeah, anyway, it was an all-or-nothing challenge. They got nothing, so they are nothing out of 2,000 euros for the challenge, because two pieces were in the wrong place and two were missing. So that means that they earned 1,400 euros of a possible 6,250 for the episode, and 1,570 euros out of a possible 10,850 for the season so far. And as Rick tells them, at the end of the challenge, it is now time for the test and execution. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, apart from the mole, who never goes home. As it always is. So, Milushka suspects Tina. She's an actress and is playing into suspicions. Leonie's also a suspect. She's always in key positions, but never makes money. 
but he suspects Tina. Nathan is steering challenges but never does anything. And Johan and Leone are a good duo but never successful. Johan mainly suspects women, Leone, Milushka and Tina, but also Rob as he likes to pit people against each other. Yaka suspects Milushka because her group failed at the bridge. She brought no money in at the taxi. And while she did do one piece right in the park, she didn't do another. Kleiss is unprepared for the test and he has some new suspects and needs to decide how much to spread. And Tina says it's nerve-wracking, but she's reduced her moles from four to three and plays her black exemption. And then the execution happens. Rick says they're leaving San Metzia tomorrow and announces that the black exemption has been played again. Nathan and Leone get green screens before Tina is the second person to go home. More importantly for us, it's the first person to leave from Michelle's team. She says that she took too much of a risk not spreading a bit more, and that Leone only showed one person her black exemption before she played it, and that was Tina. So as a refresher, who who is on each team? So, on Logan's team is Yika, Clace, and Johan. On my team is Buddy, Leone, and Rob. And on Michelle's team now is Milushka and Nathan. I'd say Michelle's got the best odds here. Mm, I don't know. I Out of Michelle's team, last week I probably suspected Tina the most. And there is also a switch per team still available until we reach final five. Are they, do they have to be mutual switches? So yeah, basically the rules of the switch is that we can only use them once. It has to be before the episode airs. And we have to switch two people between two teams. They do not have to be from our own team. I could switch between Logan and Michelle's team if I really wanted to, you know, mess with them. And the switches are only valid until the episode where the final five becomes the final four. I reckon it's pretty pretty funny if like one team was already out by top six, mostly because of Michelle. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious. And as I said to Michelle when she was watching the episode yesterday and slightly angry about Tina going, you know I love you dearly, but I can't have you win this year. I need to make sure that Michelle does not win this pool. <laughs> Mainly because I'm going to be stood in Fondle Park on the 14th of March again, cursing her name as she has the bowl. <laughs> I'm imagining this sort of like dramatic collapse in the rain as you curse her name to the sky. So... The one exemption that is still left in the game, as far as we are aware, is Rob's black exemption. But there was no reference to that this week, which is interesting. Well, it probably wasn't story relevant because, you know, there's a thing last episode about, you know, Leone. I think it was, was it Leone and Tina talking about their exemptions? Who is the, who is the one who uh, told Tina about their black exemption? So Tina was like, sweet, I want to play mine this week. It's Leone. Yeah, so it was Leone and that Tina. It was Leone, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like um, that was like a you know sort of mini arc that could play out because you know uh, she because the whole not playing a lot episode thing. So I suppose the black exemption isn't going to show up until it becomes story relevant. True. And like I I think either way it was like um you know he was gonna play, he was gonna play it it'll get announced but he's not gonna play it you know it might become a I I guess it isn't really that that you know like bad to not play a black exemption and then go home is it. No, because if you play a black exemption, literally no one can use anything else. That's that's the only thing. You can't save yourself with a black exemption. Yeah, so there's not the equivalent of, like, you know, Jesper and John not playing the Express Pass. No. So there's not going to be, like, wacky dodo music at the end if, if Rob doesn't play his black exemption. No. So, next week, there are hovercrafts, Leone says something is stupid, Chinese Mount Rushmore, Johan is told to stop sabotaging, and there is running through an ancient Chinese town. Ah, uh, Johan and Leone back together again. For more incompetent hijinks. The mole really doesn't have to do anything when they're both around. Yeah, sucks for everyone else though, I guess. So, who do you suspect? 
So I suspect Yiker is still my number one suspect, just because of how much she has been not just not too aggressive with the sabotages, but a lot of things have not worked out well for her in the two episodes. Uh, Malushka, of course, because there is frequent failure occurring around her. And then I'll just throw Leone in there because I don't think she's really put that much money towards the pot. Okay, so my top three suspects, uh, number one is uh, Mill, is Mills. Mostly because, like, when she does, she, like, never seems to be at the center of success. And when she does, like, do stuff to help the team, it's never, like, it's never, like, a, a grand saving thing. It's never, like, a thing where, like, she she's essential. She's, like, sort of pretty much there to, like, pick up pieces. In sort of, like, uh, what's, what's the term? Like, a plausible deniability sort of thing. Yeah. I'd say um, my second one would be um, Yake. Mostly because... She has screwed up a lot, but unlike Johan or Leone, it hasn't really been like highlighted at all. She was the one like last, she last episode. She was the one who took multiple pictures. There's a lot of there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in her team with the uh, with the extension cables. And also, I know what I noticed in the um, when she and Clace were doing their drive their um, taxi cab sort of thing, is that when Clace did his call, she when it was like a, when it was a unfamiliar number, she pretty much told him to hang up immediately. And that was sort of like, hmm, that's a bit suspicious on my end. The thing I have against it being Yika, other than Logan having her in his team, is the uh-huh. fact that it didn't feel like she mould at all in that last challenge. And that last challenge was 1 million percent mould. We don't know by who, because obviously they didn't show us the camera angles that would have shown us who. But somebody definitely mould in that challenge. And it felt like she was just kind of put to one side. Yeah, that's, uh, that was my piece of doubt, because like... You know, it's a it was a prime mauling challenge, but she didn't seem to be like doing anything or have, you know, done anything that we could see. That was my piece of doubt. Now, my third my third suspect probably Leonie, if only because as an outside choice, it's sort of like if the mole was to actually be, you know, out loud and proud in their mauling this year, I reckon it's more likely to be her than you are. Yeah. My suspects are, in order, Milushka, obviously, she's by far the most moly right now. Then Leone, because I feel like she is trying to use Johan as a shield when it comes to letting him just screw everything up and then her be able to sneakily do things behind him. And also, on the face of it, if you were the mole in that last challenge, you 100% want to be in that control room. Because all you have to do is screw one thing up and the money is never won. That's also true. Especially as, even if they put the pieces in the correct place, they still had to zoom in on them correctly. What she could have done, I don't know, a second before the end, if they'd put those pieces in the correct place, is just shifted one of the cameras and they would have lost. I didn't realise that. I must have, like, not seen that as one. I must have, like, blanked on that one as being on the rules. It's like, yeah, they had no chance in that challenge. No, oh no, they would never, ever have won that challenge. But, Yeah. That's just food to thought. And my third person is still Buddy. I can't shake the fact that I have a horrible feeling Buddy is the mole. Oh, I'm, like, not keen on him as the mole, mostly because... Not as, like, a... I don't want to think about thing. I don't think he is, but, like, I don't I don't think he is because, like, Bjarne was two years ago. And it was, like, going, going for a nostalgia thing, you want to go for at least, like, 10 or 20. Yeah. That's the thing. I've, I feel like they're hyping up him and Milushka basically being the new Jan and Olche. But I can't shake the feeling that he's definitely going to be there at the end, at least. 
Oh yeah, he's uh, he seems a lot like an end gamer. If that's the, if that's you know the term for it, I guess. That's just the vibe I'm getting from him. Yeah. And who do you think is going home next? Who do I think is going home next? Um, I don't know. I want to say Nathan because of the hair. Same. I think that that alone deducts two points from his next week's quiz. Isn't it a modern hairstyle in Canada? It, I, th- I think it was a hairstyle elsewhere like 20 years ago, and we're just starting to catch on to it. So it'll come to Australia in about three weeks then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, well, you know, think about it, actually. I didn't really have an answer for that. Um, I think it'll be a dude. Um, I think it might be Rob. Mostly because he's, like, sort of, only sort of been, like, like, you know, I haven't watched that much, that much We Use Them All or Them All or of this sort of ilk. So I'm not, I'm not really sure of, like, the sort of edits people get. But, like, if I was to use, you know, the blueprint of, like, American reality television shows or Australian or UK ones, he's sort of got that thing where he's only sort of been, like, sort of vaguely in the first episodes. Like, he was, he was, like, most visible for the fact that he screwed up, he and the end was screwing up the trap task. But he was also, like, not really in this episode. And so, like, there's... There's usually a pattern where if someone has visible two episodes in a row, then in the third one, that when they're more visible, that's usually when we'll get the Like like I said, I don't have much to draw. I don't have much to draw off on. So, yeah, my my feeling on who's going to go, I agree, it's probably going to be a dude. But something struck me in the test and execution scene, which was that Clay said he's really unprepared, and I wonder whether oh. they drop that in to then say this is why he goes next week. Because I went into this episode knowing that Tina was going to go because someone accidentally spoke me on Twitter. So I kind of knew that he wasn't going to go this week, but I was watching out for, to see if they were going to drop any hints. And Clace was the one that stuck out going, he's unprepared, he's got some new suspects, he needs to decide how much to spread. I think that might come back to bite him. Yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit weird. Because like, he does, he like, out of most of the cast, he strikes me like pretty much the, the most as an actual player rather than a mole. So, like, that combined with, oh, you're not very good at playing, are you? It's sort of like, oh, his his story is either going to go, A, he's going to, like, learn how to play, or B, he's gone next week. I'm leaning leaning more towards the um, learning to play thing, but I would not be surprised if he goes next week. So, but even though my money is on Rob. The thing is, as we said earlier in the episode, nothing in this show is accidental. There is a reason to put everything that they put in. And I I have a gut feeling that Clayson may be going next week. I think the question is how like in what direction is that gonna be deliberated though? Because like either he's either he's gonna learn or he's gonna go, so Yeah, I think we'll know this time next week. So have you got anything else to say? <laughs> um Nope. I definitely enjoy I definitely enjoy this season a bit uh, more at this point than I did last season, I guess. Yeah, we said this last week, but last season was a bit a bit bland. But they seem to have learned a lot of lessons this year in actually rooting it in proper mole nostalgia rather than trying something a bit off the wall. Yeah, I think what kind of like killed my interest in last season was that like all the characters I was really enjoying went really early, so 
But that doesn't that doesn't seem to be happening this season. Well, like I did enjoy I did enjoy Anita and Tina to an extent, mostly because of the name, like the names and hilarities. <laughs> but like you know, I, there's still a bunch of enjoyable characters left, and it's not like they're they're not all immediately dying. So yeah, it's a better season after two episodes than last season definitely was. So thank you for listening to our Vista Mall recap. We'll be back every Wednesday afternoon as always, to recap everything. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors. Or you can email us at contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at LogSuperQuacky. Ben's on Twitter at Ink1Y. And I'm MJ Homestone. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next episode. Bye-bye.